0: Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Amen. Hey, how about the worship team? Solid, right? We uh, all throughout the month of December don't have a drummer, and so we're going real acoustic, kind of chill style, so it's refreshing. These guys do an amazing job, show up early and serve the community so well, so so grateful uh, for everybody. Hey, thanks for spending your Sunday here at Cedar House. You could be anywhere right now and you're choosing to be here, and we're really grateful for that. Super exciting. Awesome stuff is happening. I have one more quick announcement. Uh, So we've done a school of ministry the past three years. Uh, This is before 2020 started. Um, Really awesome time. What that looked like was Stacy and I would really just, our time of activation and ministry pouring into a group of people. Last year there was 17 people for six months on a Monday night. Is just a really awesome time. It's just a, a time where you can go deeper than where you can go just on a Sunday morning with everything happening. So we're not going to do the school again this year, but something that Stacy and I have been praying about and we are going to do is that we are going to start Monday night ministry and activation. And so starting on January fourth, the first Monday in January, Stacy and I are going to be here. There is going to be child care and we are just going to do ministry. So that could look like we go further into the sermon from the day before we could go further into topics like the prophetic and healing things that might take an hour and a half to really explain or to pray through or activate through we're just going to do those kind of things a lot of hands-on stuff or it could be a time where we just come together and soak whatever we feel that's what we're going to do so if you are looking for uh to get activated in ministry to have more community monday nights is going to be an opportunity to do that that sound good i was like expecting a cheer or something from that like All right. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Uh, Well, guys, I'm going to give you a little bit of Christmas advice going to the holiday season, Uh, specifically men. Do not buy your wife a camera battery for Christmas. I know you've been researching it and thinking about doing this, but don't buy your wife a camera battery. I I actually did this one year. So about 15 years ago, uh, my my first Christmas with my in-laws, <clears throat> uh, I bought my wife a camera battery, and when the, she opened it, they all looked at me like I was Satan. And it's the worst choice she could have ever made was to to marry me. Uh, but a little bit of backstory: so this is like again, like 15 years ago, before the iPhone became what the iPhone is, you know. And I went to Best Buy, and there was this camera at the time that was you could record it and it would literally burn it directly onto a DVD, and you take the DVD out and you just play it on the DVD. Well, I, that is like. I thought that was the greatest thing ever. I just, you know, no middle man just take it out and play it. And it was like a $500 camera. So I buy her this camera and we love it. We're excited about it. We, we absolutely love the camera. So we did our first Christmas like two days before Christmas, right? Before you go to the actual parent's house and the in-laws house. And so we had already, I had already given it to her. She loved it. One of the problem was that the battery lasted about 30 minutes. So me, in my logical male mind, I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna surprise her with a $100 battery, and it's gonna last hours. Guys, It makes sense, right? It's like, well, duh, yeah, why would you not wanna do the battery? So I wrap, so at this, this uh, Christmas, I wrap the battery, and she opens it up in front of the family and her siblings, and they're all staring at me like I'm the worst human being in the world you can laugh at me this is supposed to be a joke this is a joke so i've been paying for that for fifteen years now uh... our credit card bill in december is through the roof because uh, i can never live down buying a camera battery for my wife But guys, christmas is coming up don't forget buy your wife a good gift or your significant other if you're dating someone or or whatever a little little manly advice from me been married almost fifteen years you with me guys don't do the battery uh, well cool. Well hey, I uh I do have something that's on my heart that I really do want to share, something that is really just a huge key to this house. I believe it's something that's massively important for the kingdom of God and really important for us to become who we're supposed to become and to sustain a revival. I'm gonna to talk to you today, I talk to you today about gossip. So the title of this message is The Gossip Train Stops With Me. Can you say that with me? The gossip train stops with me. Let's do it one more time. The gossip train stops with me. So 2020 has been a a crazy year. Um, I don't know about you, but it's probably the most bizarre year of my life. And something in 2020 has allowed me to get a little loose with my tongue. Um, All of a sudden with what's going on in society and the political realm and all all things, it's just like, oh, it's just okay to like say something negative about somebody. And that's not typically my behavior I've trained myself into. And so I've noticed in 2020, I've gotten a little loose on that and I've noticed people around me have as well. And it's, it's, we're all in this together, but it's something that is so important to God that as believers, that we learn how to bridle our tongue And have self-control over what we say and how we say it. Amen? So this issue of gossip is a really, really big deal in the kingdom. The the definition of gossip that I'm functioning from today is, is it a conversation about someone that you're having with them not in the room that you would have about them or with them if they were in the room? Pretty simple definition, right? See, Jesus said, they will know you by how you love one another. So there is behaviors that we have as king's kids that we're supposed to have where other people could actually from the outside look in and say, hey, they're part of the royal family. You can look at it like this. We're called a royal priesthood and we are sons and daughters of a father. And there's behavioral patterns that we have the privilege of carrying out because our dad is who he is. And Jesus said this, if you love one another well, people on the outside would be able to say, oh, they're gods. So if you'd allow me to expand that a little bit, one of the subheadings of that to me is learning how to not gossip, learning how to not talk bad about somebody else. That means someone on the outside would look in and say, there's something different about those people. There's something different about the royal family, if you will. They just really have self-control over their tongue. I remember about five years ago, we had some friends come over that were non-Christians, And our friends brought a friend over that was living a lifestyle that was not biblical and very loud about it, uh, very noticeable. And we just behaved like the guy was one of us, and we just loved him. And, you know, we just tried to love on this person. And so somehow throughout this process, they found out that we were pastors. Well, Stacy's friend called afterwards Stacy and said, hey, he found out that y'all were pastors, and he said, I've never not felt judged around Christians except except when I met you guys and I thought oh. that's like the best compliment we can get like hey there's something different about those people those are the king's kids they didn't, they didn't bash me they didn't talk bad about me they didn't leave and make fun of me I actually felt loved by these people So can we be big enough people to love one another well where we don't talk negatively about somebody how, how many of you like being talked about in a bad way Not so much. So if you don't want someone to do it to you, let's not do it to other people. That sound good? All right, I'm going to start in Revelations 12, verses 10. Okay, check this verse out. So it says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now you have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Okay, this is what he's saying here. The devil is standing in front of God all day and he's hurling accusations about you and I to him. He is before God talking about our blind spots. He is accusing us night and day before God all day The enemy is doing this. And the kingdom works off of agreement. So what he's looking for is a human to agree with the accusation and birth it into reality. All day, he's saying negative things about us. All day, he's accusing us. And the way that manifests into our life is when we agree with that and we speak out what he's accusing. I'm going to take this to an extreme level. If you are gossiping about someone, you are agreeing with the devil. You're, you're speaking death, and you're accusing. You are, you are joining, you're casting your lot in with the devil when you're talking negatively about somebody. See, so what the devil's trying to do is expose us. This is what gossip does. It exposes people. See, we should be people who cover our blind spots, not expose people. It takes no talent to see the negative in somebody. Let me say that again. It takes no talent for me to look at your life and see what's wrong with it. But it does take a kingdom-minded person to see the gold. While I want to protect that, the good in you. I don't want to punish and expose the bad. Can we be people that don't expose someone else so we feel better about our situation or we feel more righteous about our situation? So we don't want to join with the enemy and start talking negatively about other people. Here's the great, hopefully this sticks in your head forever, if anything, in the sermon. Here's the best example I can get of gossip exposing someone. So in the Old Testament, King David was a mighty man of God. He made some bad decisions about midway through his life. And one of the ways that he tried to cover up his bad decision was to kill his best friend. So what he said was, all right, this is what we're going to do, guys. Gathers everyone except his best friend. His best friend's name is Uriah. David gathers everyone but Uriah, and he makes a plan. You can look at it like this. He's gossiping. He makes a plan about Uriah. They all know about it. Uriah doesn't know about it. He tells him, he says, okay, in battle tomorrow, go out on the front line. And when you all get up to the front line, I want everyone to back away, and the enemy's going to kill Uriah. Listen, gossip exposes, gossip kills. They had a, everyone knew something, but they wouldn't say it to Uriah. They go out on the battlefield, they do the gossip, and it killed him. You guys tracking with me on this analogy? Gossip exposes and gossip kills. How many of you want that to happen to you? Not me. Can we be a community that doesn't expose people? So the opposite of that would be what? That we cover each other's blind spots. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. Jesus modeled this for us perfectly. So, there's a story in the life of Jesus where there's a woman who gets caught in the act of adultery. So, in that day, in the law, you could kill her. That was legal. She's committed the act of adultery. Let's kill her. So, what happens is they catch her in the act, they bring her in front of Jesus. Now, this is a perfect moment for Jesus to expose this woman, right? perfect moment the law says it everyone's expecting it great time to show the wrath of the father great time to expose this woman but jesus is functioning from a different revelation he's functioning as though it's a father-daughter moment and he covers this woman he doesn't expose her listen jesus was not worried about his reputation he was big enough to cover someone and deal with the backlash I'm telling you, that's really good. Can we be big enough people to cover people's blind spots while other people think that we may be wrong or not understand something because there's no way we would want to do that to that person? See, that's what the world does. Let's throw stones. That's what religion does. Let's throw stones. What does Jesus do? He covers. It's good. It's really, really, really good. Can we be big enough people where our reputation doesn't matter, but our mindset and our love for one another doesn't expose people, but it covers people's blind spots. Look at um, Psalm 18, verse 21. This is a very, very well-known verse. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit." fruit. Listen, life and death is in the tongue. Where does life and death come from? The tongue. I actually think this is true. Like, I don't think this is like, oh, it's like a good principle. It's like, no, literally you, you are producing life or you are producing death with what you say and how you say it. So here's the thing. If you don't like the manifestations in your life, talk different. What if this is true? What if this is actually true that life and death is actually in the tongue and I'm speaking negative things and it's creating bad seeds in my life versus good seeds? I want to enjoy the fruit of my life. Therefore, we need to talk about positive things. Paul said this, whatever's good, whatever's holy, think of these things. Well, so man think as so man is out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let's talk and think about positive things. Again, let's pull the gold out from each other, not punish the bad things. How many of you are scared to talk right now? <laughs> I love it. It's going to get worse. Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37. <clears throat> okay, this is Jesus. This is Jesus talking. He says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. That word empty is careless or aimless as well. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. I don't even want to keep talking. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm done. You know, so my view of God and his judgment, I view God as a good loving father. I, I don't look at judgment day, in my opinion, as this horrible day of judgment because of my relationship with him. But there will be an adult conversation. I know too much, and there needs to be some healthy accountability, and I just want that moment to be good. I want him to say, man, you did a good job. You did a good job not exposing those people. You did a good job covering those people well. You did a good job not gossiping whenever you had the opportunity to. And it's funny, he doesn't say your sin life here. He doesn't say, like, your behaviors you'll be judged on. You'll be judged off what you say. It's just This is a very empowering, sobering verse to think, I'm going to be judged by how I speak and what comes out of my mouth. And why is that? He knows that life and death is in the tongue. So on that day of judgment or encounter with God, I, I just want that, that moment to be really good. Here's the list of the times that you could have exposed people and you didn't. You did a great job. Great job bridling your tongue. <clears throat> Amen? Okay, let's look at James 1, 27 and 28. Just trying to show you how serious this is to God. So those who can, this is James, actually the brother of Jesus. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, go back. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Okay, so this is what this means. Your Christianity is worthless if you can't tame your tongue. This is what the Bible is telling us. I'm just, I'm drilling this. Like, this, is, this isn't made up. This isn't Landon's theology. This isn't like some crafty revelation. I'm, these are like, front, these are such direct scriptures on making sure that we, we know how to tame our tongue. So it's, I'm going to say this it's worthless and pointless to live in a Christian community if you're going to gossip about people. You can do that in the world. Let's not do that here sound good? It's pointless. Hey, your religion is pointless and worthless if you're just going to talk bad about people. If you can't tame your tongue, it's just completely pointless. Let's go to one more scripture here. James 3. This is about 15 verses. So hold your hold hold on tight. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that who we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault and what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large they are d- and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. But it, make, it makes a great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course for one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. My goodness. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You praise God, and then the same sentence that you curse people around you. And brothers and sisters, that should not be. He's talking to the church. This is us. should not be this way. Being people who know, who know how to tame the tongue and not expose other people. So I'm going to give you two ways that have, I guess, the two most key ways for me that I have learned how to tame my tongue. These are really, really deep. Are you ready? The first one is this. When in doubt, stop talking. <laughs> Deep, heavy revelation right here. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. But seriously, when in doubt, just stop talking. I catch myself all the time whoop, went too far. Whoop, shouldn't have said that. I'm going to just pull back from what I said. Check your heart at the door. If you get too far down, just stop talking verbal processors this is you as well <laughs> this is not just for you know introverts you have this a lot e- easier i use i still am but i used to be a major verbal processor and i'm just spewing out all kind of stuff everywhere malintent or not although they're aimless words careless words that i will have to be held accountable for so if you're a verbal processor you can't just ah, it's just my personality no it's not it's not your personality you got to be careful I'm saying this to myself as a verbal processor. Can't just go around saying whatever you want to say. I uh, lived in the Northwest for five years in our 20s. It was a really awesome time. Most of you probably know about that. And the guy who was the head of the the ministry that we were part of, this guy named Benji Rhodes, still one of my best friends, he did a tremendous job at taming his tongue and not talking bad about someone. I can honestly say I have not heard this. I did really deep life with this guy for five years never heard him say something negative about somebody and so I was young I was 26 you know I don't know how to tame my tongue at the time and so i would just kinda like start talking about somebody and he would literally just I'm like okay cool we're, we're just not gonna keep talking he just this is how you stop you just stare at me blankly and I felt my own conviction huh ah, cool what what he's doing is changing the station okay cool. like this isn't going to work here so I have realized real quick huh I have to tame my tongue it's not going to work in this relationship he's not going to let me just talk bad about somebody and it really really impacted me in my life at that time something that I've carried on here's a quote that I love don't tell me what they said about me tell me why they felt comfortable talking to you about me Not good, it's like what what how did you get in a conversation talking about me that way, like man are we i what this is the problem not that person talking's not the problem why why didn't we shut it down before it got to me? you guys follow me what I'm saying uh I'll brag on my my dad here for a second we uh probably twenty years ago was- it was a Thanksgiving or something I can't remember what it was, but uh me and my, one of my siblings, we were openly talking bad about somebody. I, I don't do this. Just, this is 20 years ago. Openly talking bad about this person. I didn't understand that that had weight to it. I was young, screaming out for affirmation and attention. And so we're talking bad about someone. He's like, he's like, okay, that's enough. And we just kept going, kept going. He slams. <laughs> we're at the Christmas table or something. I can't remember. Slams his hand, enough. Now, I'm not saying you should do that as a parent. Okay, so just to be clear, I'm not saying you should do this. But what I am saying is that stuck with me for 20 years. And I, I'm God, my conscious, my internal whatever, anytime some, a conversation goes too far, I hear it in my head. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Like you, you've crossed the line, be a big enough person to stop talking or pull it back or just change the subject. That's enough. Let's not keep doing that. That sound good? Hey, uh, if you talk bad about someone on social media, that's still gossip. If you just send it off into the airwaves (laughs) on your phone, that's still gossip. If you have a problem particularly with me, I would feel a lot more honored if you would just come and talk to me (laughs) versus swindling it around on social media. Huh, I wonder who they're talking about. The other church pastor that they go to none of you in the room have done that i'm being funny but it is true it's like for some reason on social media we do have this idea that we can just kind of say whatever we want it works out but be careful because a lot of the things on social media are still exposing someone else your beliefs can still expose someone else amen all right the second point this one actually actually is really good is this The number one way that I would say to stop gossiping is this. Meet Jesus in the quiet place. These sound disconnected, but they couldn't be more connected. If you are not finding God in the quiet place and getting your information and your affirmation from him, you will bleed out onto other people and seek affirmation and information, and it typically will turn into a form of a gossip or a negative agreement. The root system of why I want to say something bad about someone else because I'm not spending time with God. Here's the thing. When you're in the quiet place and you want to talk bad about someone, ask God his perspective of that person. It is a Christian discipline to stay in awe of God on someone else. It's not easy to do. But if you get his perspective... That gossip could turn into maybe you want to have a healthy relationship with that person. Maybe you want to have an honest conversation with that person. You, you know in your heart what, what you would need to do because you're getting his lens. Jesus didn't gossip about people. He spent the most time with the Father. Everyone I know that has a strong tame on their tongue has a structured, quiet time with God. Do you get how these parallel? If you're not getting your information and your affirmation from God, you're going to seek something else out. It'll typically always end bad. Can we not be people who gossip? See, it's fun. Gossip's fun. It creates social alignment. It's an easy way out of a conversation. It actually can build relationships. I want to talk bad about you to this person. We actually now have inside jokes. It feels good. You're getting this need met. But the whole time we're exposing this other human had situations happen in my life where the only way that I could make my name clean was to out someone else and just don't do that just let it be be big enough person to take the hit absorb it for someone else you don't have to expose people, amen alright, I'm going to close with this here's, an, here's the real reason why this matters to me so much okay I'm in Baton Rouge for revival. We do this church for revival. I would not live in Baton Rouge if it wasn't for this church. I am here on a mission to pastor a body that experiences renewal of God's presence resting on his people. The best way that I know how to do that within the resources I have while maintaining a healthy family life, that is what we pour ourselves out into. That is why we're here that's why we're on Jones Creek that's why I'm in Baton Rouge that's why I'm standing here talking to you Is I want the presence of God here and everything that that comes with I want a vibrant thriving church where revival is occurring I don't care if it's 20,000 people I don't care if it's 100 where God feels safe and welcomed here God can be God in our church that's what I want that's why I'm here okay and now why gossip matters to me so much is for the story I'm about to tell you. There is a story in the life of Jesus in Mark six, where Jesus comes back home and someone's gossip ruins a revival. Okay. Jesus is on earth, he's batting a thousand. Everybody he touches is getting healed. That would be cool, right? We pray for the sick here, but we're batting about 7%. Jesus is at 1,000. My goodness. I'll pray for 80 people. Three might feel different. And that's kind of where I'm at in my life right now, you know. Prophetic words, perfect. People are hungry. The food's getting multiplied. The poor are getting fed and hung out with. People who have never had social connection with a leader, Jesus is hanging out with them. He's restoring communities. What he did with Zacchaeus, everyone got their tax money back that he had fraud with. I mean, he's just, the people from all over are coming. If we could just literally get in disguise, shadow, my kid gets healed. My God, if he just shows up to the funeral, Bob's not dead anymore. Thousand percent, right? This is his mission. He's doing what the father's telling him to do. He's revival everywhere he goes, okay? He comes back home and watch what happens. Let's read this together. Mark 6. Okay. Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked, what's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this a carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? aren't his sisters here with us and they took offense at him jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown among his relatives and in his ho- own home he could this is jesus he could not do many miracles there except lay hands on a few of the sick people and heal them he was amazed at their lack of faith jesus is batting a thousand okay comes back home he's now in front of the crowd And his intention is to do the same thing. He wants revival in his hometown. And they start talking. But isn't this Joseph's son? These are the careless words. Aimless words. This is Joseph's son. How did he get these things? Wait a second. I know him. And what It says it took offense at him. And he couldn't do very many miracles. Is it possible that stating... A aimless, careless word or talking about somebody would limit the amount of presence we can have in our community. I would say it is. Are you guys catching what this is? This is very sobering. A revival on earth, Jesus in the flesh wants to happen, and they start chattering. Now, it's just, these, this can't be real. I mean, this is Joseph's son. I mean, I just, I know this guy. He's, he's the carpenter, right? the the gossip took offense at him and he could only do certain miracles and he's batting a thousand so if we're batting 20% how much more detrimental is negativity of our language and talking bad about each other you know it's like oh it's just that's just paul again giving announcements oh it's just, you know it's just it's, that's Micah doing worship again this is Landon I've heard him teach a hundred times it's just are you with me these things not honoring what God wants to do could limit a move of God and a revival looking at the it's just the facts is this the carpenter's son but their questions were coming from a negative place of gossip and it hindered the move of God love believes all things Think about that. So, your disposition towards someone should be trust, not suspicion. So, when Jesus shows up, well, I'm a little suspicious of this. I'm going to start asking questions. I'm not just going to give away my trust. This happens all the time in moves of God. All the time. Someone manifests weird. Whoa, I'm suspicious. Oh, man. You guys, this is, this is such a big deal to me. Having revival comes down to how we tame our tongue and how we don't gossip. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us for about two minutes over this issue, and then we have a kid's play. Now listen, no matter how bad this kid's play is, don't be gossiping about it to your neighbor afterwards. I'm sure this is going to be the most quiet post-service church service we've ever had where everyone's scared to talk to each other. Now, you understand the difference of when you are seeking agreement from a negative place about somebody else. You guys, are we in agreement? All right, we're unraveling. The kids are coming. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray over our body. Jesus, we love you. We want to be people who tame our tongue. We want to be people who don't expose other people. We want to be people who love people well. I just pray for Cedar House as a community that we would be people who know how to uh, bridle our tongue and not speak negatively about other people. God, I pray that you would give us conviction and compassion for this issue, that we would look for ways to cover people, not expose people. God, we want your spirit here. We want your presence here. Whatever that looks like, that's what we want. So we want to honor you with our lips. We just give you our tongue. We give you this church, and when in doubt, we're going to stop talking. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.